You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Good morning, church. How y'all doing? Let me hit this mic real quick. Right. It's a. It's a. <clears throat> it's such a privilege to to follow our sister Val. And uh, present the word of God to you this morning. Today we will be in the book of Proverbs, particularly uh, chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Maybe you've heard these verses before, or you've seen them somewhere. I think they're on a lot of uh, Christian plaques and uh, banners uh, in people's homes. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, this is what Solomon writes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's go to the Lord for help before we proceed. Lord Jesus. My Lord, our Lord, we are at a loss for words this morning. We know that you continue to speak when we don't know what to say. So speak to us, Lord. Change us, refresh us, revive us, and for some of us, resurrect us. For you are a God of the living and not the dead. Lord, help me to deliver your word with authenticity, grit, and most of all, love. Uh, It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, There's a famed Archbishop of Canterbury who once said that the longest journey in life is from the head to the heart. The longest journey in life is from the head to the heart, those 15 or so inches. Because sooner or later in life, There happens to be a contradiction between our life experience and what we thought we knew about God. There is a contradiction, sooner or later, between what we thought we knew about God and what we just experienced. Happens all the time. And as uh, one of Pastor Dan's favorite quotes, uh, Mike Tyson puts it very eloquently, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the mouth. (laughs) my man Pastor Dan loves that quote right Uh, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the mouth I I think that's a good picture of life right we all have a plan two year plan three year plan four year plan until life punches you in the mouth we all know that line pretty well now don't we you know we 
We use Christian cliches like, uh, God has a wonderful plan for your life, and I believe he does. But for some people, that's not necessarily the whole story. There's so much more. We think that's the whole story, a wonderful plan for your life. There's so much more than that in Christ. You know, uh, I'm not well acquainted with despair or depression, um, but I have experienced it before a moment. But for some people, despair and disappointment is not a moment. It is a way of life. It is a way of life. Uh, And it's despair, uh, disappointment. It it wrecks our world and reminds us of the fall, of the rift caused between us and God, uh, caused by sin. And in today's proverb, uh, King Solomon was known as the wisest man in all the world, the wisest man in all the land. And he shows us in these few verses um, what it means to trust in the Lord, what it looks like, what it, what it entails. And he shows us that trusting in the Lord means fully, fully or wholly depending on him with our heart and our mind as God transforms our lives. To trust in the Lord fully depending on him with all our heart and our mind, the emotion and the intellect, as God transforms our whole being, our whole life. You know, uh, one thing that, just, that just, just jumps out to me about these verses is what Solomon is telling us, what the Bible is telling us, what God is telling us, is that trusting in him changes everything. It changes everything. It may not change your episode. It may not change your circumstance. It may not change your bank account. But it changes you. And that's his goal. His goal is you. The goal of his salvation is changing you, right? And eventually changing the entire world. And I want to give us uh, some steps from these verses on, on how do we encounter God Uh, during life disappointments? How do we bring it to the Lord in good and bad times? That is the title of this message, right? Bring it to the Lord. How how do you bring it to the Lord? We hear that all the time in the church. Oh, pray about it, right? Bring it to the Lord. But what does that look like? What does that mean? How does that happen? And one thing that Solomon shows us is that the first step to bringing it to the Lord or encountering God in darkness or in bleak times, it is a commitment. And we don't like that word <laughs> nowadays, but it, it takes commitment. Commitment of the heart to trust God that I will not deny God and his goodness in my life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This is a commitment that we must make as followers of Christ every day. And it's not an easy commitment. You know, so the year's already about halfway over, and we think about the New Year's resolution we made five and a half months ago, right? And those commitments seem like a far gone uh, memory, right? It just evaporated. And we, I know uh, that commitments come and go. But this is commitment that will stay forever. 
When I, when I, when I look at the word trust uh, throughout the Bible, uh, it, especially in this verse, I, it, it gives me an imagery of laying on a bed. And at night, I lay on the bed, and I literally put all my weight on the bed. All night. <laughs> Whether it's four hours or sometimes eight. I ain't going to lie, sometimes more, right? Whatever <laughs> amount of minutes and hours I sleep, all my weight is on the bed. Every ounce, every pound is on the bed. Some days it's more than others, right? <laughs> but all of it is on the bed. All my weight must be upon the Lord. Everything. That's what, that's what Solomon is telling us. The commitment of the heart. You will not deny any of God or his goodness in our lives. But all of it depend on him. Right? Uh, John Piper says, uh, he's a famous pastor, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But I would like to add, God is most glorified in us when we are most dependent on him. Yeah. We're dependent on him. You know, the, the heart, Solomon talks about the heart. And the reason that he uses heart is the seat of the emotions and the will, right? It's the throne of the, of the will and the emotions. And this heart, it takes the greatest beating over the course of life. Okay, I, I'm not the best athlete, but my joints hurt, my back hurts, or I'm getting old. And I, I'm like, man, my left knee has taken a beating over the years, right? My, my wrist has taken a beating over the years, but... What the Bible shows us and what Solomon is showing us is that the heart takes the most beating over the course of life. It takes the mightiest blows because it is rejected and crushed and perplexed and confounded over and over and over again, particularly in the realm of despair and pain. Because when Despair and pain crash upon our lives in, in different measures. Despair is not even the most precious parts of our lives. In these moments we experience in our hearts uniquely shape us and create who we are today. In some respects, we are a product of our pain and disappointments. In some respects, we are a product of our pain and disappointments. Despite all this, Solomon is imploring us to trust in the Lord with that heart, that beat down, grimy, sometimes trashy heart. Because trust or commitment to God is first and foremost an act of the heart. If God could have any part of you, if he could just pick one and he couldn't have the rest, not that God would ever be in that situation, right? Because he's Lord of all. But let's say God was in a situation where he could only have one part of you. He would ask for your heart. He would want your heart. And anybody that's been in a romantic or an intimate relationship, that is the part we want too. It is the heart. Solomon says, trust in the Lord with that heart, my people. Trust in the Lord with that heart. 
You know, Solomon repeatedly speaks of the heart in the book of Proverbs because, you know, Solomon has lost his heart to many women. <laughs> the Bible records they had about 700 lovers or concubines. I don't know how, but he did. I have no clue. And I think some of us in this room share similar experience. We have lost our hearts to, to people who didn't understand it, who misunderstood it. You know, guys, yes, following Jesus, believing in God is an intellectual exercise. Uh, but it's of the heart. It is the heart. You know, Ravi Zacharias said that at the end of life, one of three things will happen to your heart. Ravi, Ravi Zacharias said at the end of life, at the conclusion of life, one of three things will happen to your heart. It will be hardened, broken, or made tender. And it depends on how much you trust the Lord with that heart. At the end of life, you will be hardened, broken, or made tender. Nobody escapes these results. Nobody. A heart will become dense and desensitized, be bent over from the way of disappointment, or be made tender by the affectionate touch of God. What will it be? Commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your heart to him. When we think about uh, the future, uh, how many of us define the future in terms of our past? You know, that's something that I'm in right now. I'm, I'm defi- sometimes my future is determined by my past, right? It's governed by my past. Some of you guys know that uh, I just got married, you know, I'm a newlywed. But something you may not know about me is that my mom and dad got divorced, Uh, my mom, and, my mom uh, ran away with another man. And I spent several Mother's Day without her. And I, was so, I am so afraid that that will happen to me. I am so afraid that will happen again if I have children. But trusting in the Lord means that we do not define the future in terms of our past. Instead, we define the future in terms of our God and his son. For those who have already decided who the Lord, who is Lord over your heart, you know, our demand for specific answers are dissolved in his burning love. You know, we could ask why, 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 because the heart... Once what it wants, and then ask why, right? But when we trust in the Lord, the Lord of our hearts, our demand for specific answers are dissolved in his dissolving love. However, the second step I want to talk about from this text is a discipline of the mind. It, is, it does involve committing your heart to the Lord, but it's also about your intellect, thinking, discipline, a regiment, a plan. That's something Pastor Dan and Pastor Larry is showing me. Things just don't happen spontaneously. You need a plan. And to discipline your mind. And, you know, some of us, uh, I know, I know, I know, I'm there with you. I haven't been, I haven't been following the, the Bible reading plan very well. 
<laughs> they haven't been following very well. But the reason we have these things, the reason we have community group uh, in the middle of the week and we have these Bible reading plans and, and things like that is not to bore you or to make you feel guilty. It's because it takes discipline to grow in grace. It takes discipline to know the Lord. I am a big advocate. I am a huge fan of passion. Look at me up here. I'm all about passion. But my people, passion is overrated. It is overrated. Obedience is underrated. It's so underrated in our culture today. And doing our quiet time, spending time with the Lord, acknowledging him with our money, with our time, with our entertainment, with our blind spots, asking other people to help us grow in Christ, to disciple us, to bless us, to pray for us. Uh, these, these things take plan, a plan, a discipline of the mind. You know, my relationship uh, sometimes with God, is, this is a very poor analogy, but I can't help but to share it with you. My relationship with God sometimes is very much like my relationship with sports. I know, just, just stay with me. Okay, when I first started playing sports, I was excited. I played basketball, like people picked me to be on their team, you know. You know, I get to play, I get to play basketball, football, whatever. I'm on an official team. I got a jersey and all that. I got a helmet that barely fit, you know. <laughs> um, I got excited. I was passionate, you know. But over time, uh, my, my passion waned, right? It had ebbs and flows. But you know what? After all these years, I still follow sport. I still make time for it. I, I still uh, read up on it, right? I check, I check the box score. I check the stat line. I do all, but I'm not watching it that much anymore because I'm not as passionate and because I'm married, right? <laughs> it's true. I just I don't have time. She, my wife doesn't like sports, right? <laughs> she has no idea, right? Uh, she doesn't know much about sports. And Our walk with the Lord may not always be passionate. Don't beat yourself up because you're not as Vibrant, and you're not as uh, uh, welled up as you were when you first knew Jesus, when you first met Jesus. But it's okay. Our walk with the Lord doesn't always have to be that passionate, but you must spend time with him. You must stay in his word. You must follow his will. And if you're in a relationship, you know that too. After several dates or a long time of marriage, I mean, not be as passionate. But you still have to carve out time for her or him, right? And, and in, order to, in order to acknowledge God, I want to speak to people who may not know Jesus today, who may not know God. In order to acknowledge God in all your ways, you must know him. You must know him. Do you know him? Well, what do you know of him if you know him? We can only obey God as much as we know and believe in him. And that's what I'm noticing in my marriage. The more I get to know Nikki, the more I want to obey her. We can only obey as much as we know. How do we acknowledge him in all our ways so he can make our path straight? We must know him and know him well. If you do not have the mind of faith, the mind of God, by, by reading his word, we will, we will repeatedly 
Um, blame God for every misfortune and disappointment in life. You will keep disappointing him. Because, my friends, sometimes uh, your mind is out of whack, just like my mind. We've got to check under the hood. And a lot of my anger and pain and angst does not come from what happened to me. It comes from what I tell myself about what happened to me. Right? It's not really what happened to me. It's, I didn't acknowledge the Lord in, in the circumstance, in the situation that happened to me. So I'm telling myself, yeah, B, you ain't deserve that. You better than that. Or you're above that. Or that person's uh, a full of crap. Or after everything you did for that person, this is how he treats you. And I keep telling myself that. I do not acknowledge the Lord. I do not acknowledge him. He's not in the situation. I do not invite him in that situation. And so I blame him for all these misfortunes and disappointments in life instead of letting it hone me and make me more like him. Because we are predestined to reflect the sun. And it will happen in a myriad of ways. But he will make our path straight. He will make our path straight. I want to share something right quick with you from Genesis chapter 6. I have it on the screen up here. Uh, In Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, God tells Noah to build an ark because it's going to rain for a long, long time. And Noah and his people have never heard of rain. They never experienced rain. So this is insane. So God says in verse 14, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood to Noah, right? He tells him the architect and and, and the parameters. He says, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, uh, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it a cubit above and set the door of the ark inside. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. I'm going to stop right there for the sake of time. Okay? You know one thing that God did not (laughs) mention? Um, This is what makes Noah a very fascinating character to me. God gives every precise detail of the ark, how high, how wide, what kind of wood, the entire blueprint, and even the people that are supposed to be in it, and how to lock the door and all that. But there are two vital details that are missing, that are absent from this blueprint. There's no sail and no rudder. There's no sail and there's no rudder. And I'm sure what Noah, <laughs> I don't know if he figured it out before or a while. <laughs> I don't know. The Bible don't tell me. But it didn't make any sense. Why would God put me in this ark and let it rain for 40 days? I can't control a thing. This don't make no sense. Noah found out that with God, just when you think you've got everything covered and you're in control, you quickly find out you really don't. And your mind has to accept that. 
So it means to follow Jesus. So it means to follow God. Your mind has to accept that. It doesn't make sense. It's not always going to make sense. You can't make it make sense to other people. You know how many years I've been trying to make it make sense to my mom and dad, to my little brother, to my friends, and some of y'all. It's only by the grace of God that it makes sense to any of us. But yet, we must discipline our mind. We must discipline our mind. God is asking some of you in this room, will you trust me with this, even if it doesn't make sense? And I don't know what that is in your life this morning, but will you trust God with that even when it doesn't make sense? Some of y'all are going on the mission trip, right? It may not go as a plan. Lord, Lord, I will it to go great and flourish, but it may not go as planned. Will you trust God? even when it doesn't make sense. Because trusting in the Lord changes everything. It really does. Lastly, and very quickly, I want to share the last step uh, that, that Solomon shows us. Solomon shows us in verse 7 and 9, uh, he will make your path straight, or that uh, this idea that uh, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment for your bones. What Solomon is showing us in these uh, couple verses, these reflective verses, is that uh, trusting in the Lord with all your heart and with all your mind involves hope and ultimate purpose. Because that, that's the rope holder on the other end, on the other side. That's the rope holder. You got to have hope, hope. You got to believe in ultimate purpose. That there is restoration coming. There is restoration occurring. The ultimate purpose in all of this. That everything in your life will ultimately serve your joy in Christ. And I know some of us have been victims of severe abuse and pain and disgrace and racism. Some of us are abject failures because we just didn't get something done and we've been running from it all our lives. We just leave things unfinished. I don't know how the Lord will bring ultimate purpose in all those things, but he will. Yes, he will. He will. He promises to make your path straight. And, And for travelers back then, this was like salvation, right? If you're traveling, the, the roads weren't paved back then. And so for a traveler to see a straight path, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. How did Jesus conquer life, defeat death, and give us meaning in life, even in suffering? On the cross, Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you. So Tim Keller said that on the cross, Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you. And what is that? Having no purpose, no relationship with God, spending eternity without him. On the cross, Jesus took 
all of that away, the only kind of suffering that can really, really pulverize you and leave you undone, he took care of that. Jesus did it all. All to him we owe. Jesus' ultimate goal was to fulfill the Father's will. Let not my will, but let your will be done, he said. And this must be our prayer. Even if it is unfair, even if it hurts, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let us pray. My dear friends, uh, as you pray, I want to encourage you one last time. I want you to know that like grass, like plants, trust grows. Don't stare at it. (laughs) Don't try to measure it. Just let it grow. Just let it grow. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you that We thank you for our dear sister Val and your testimony in her life. We praise you in the rain and we sing of your joy in the sunshine. But no matter what, you are good and your love endures forever. It's in your name we pray. Amen.